Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast where we ask the question, oh yeah. Oh. Oh. Mm. Remember the yachts? Ah. I'm Courtney. And I'm Thomas. And we're here to talk about everything from the 2000s, from hit clips to bucket caps. Um... I think I did bucket caps already. You might have done bucket caps already. What happened in the odds? I... Iraq? Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Sorry. (laughs) I feel like we did that one already, We did? No! (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) What else happened in the odds? Lots of things happened in the odds. In this episode... Oh, I think I did the fuzzy bucket caps. That's what it was. Fuzzy bucket caps. Wasn't... We oh I, I just remembered a trend like a fashion trend. I don't think it's yeah? necessarily appropriate. Hold on, I'm gonna I wanna type it into Google and see <laughs> if this is actually what it was called. Okay. This is I guess this is actually what they were called. What was it? Uh Chinese slippers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those. Everybody wore those. Yeah, they were very popular for a minute. Um, yeah. But is that their real... Like, is that... it? <sighs> I have no idea. I think that's what they're called. And once you said it, I remember yeah, right? it being said. But, like, I'm sure there's, like, a very uncomfortable reason behind it that we just don't know yet. Um, According to this, they're also... No. They're also <laughs> called the Kung Fu Shoe. I don't like for this. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's those shoes with, like, the netting mm-hmm. and then the sequent flowers on it, right? Yeah, also known as the Tai yeah, Chi Shoe. Oh, boy. It does originally... It is traditional, traditionally made in China, and at one point was actually made for when practicing martial arts. I don't see how the version that we had equates to that but i'm no expert don't ask me i don't know what i'm doing right i'm sure traditional in the sense that like young me meyer makes fun of the term traditional in her tiktoks oh boy yeah oh boy those i love those videos (laughs) those are so good oh yeah um we're waiting on the we're waiting. We're currently waiting to know if aliens are real or not. That's that's the current oh my pressing god. issue. Oh my god. Later this month we're going to get it's been pushed. We're going to get all the classified aliens. I don't think we're going to get all of no. it. My theory is we're going to get like 40% of it. And we don't know if it's aliens or our government or another government, but we're definitely UFOs exist. That's that's what we know. Right. But in the meantime, uh, we God, it's so exciting. We um, we are still we are on. We are hot in the moment of this. What am I talking about? I'm so sorry. My brain is broken. <laughs> it's okay. We are hot in the moment. <laughs> We're sizzling. At the peak of this one-hit wonder series, ignore my my stupid... Why is my brain not working today? It's like, maybe it's the rain. It's the rain. And the allergies. It's the rain. Yeah, we just had too much rain in the past week. We got two days off, and now it's raining again. Yeah, and yesterday wasn't exactly like A plus either because it was cloudy and, and then just also hot. Yeah, it was yeah gross. exactly. Yeah, <sighs> I was outside painting a mural all day in the heat, and then I was just like, I'm not going across Harlem to go to the printmaking studio. I'm just gonna go. Yeah, home. no, that's totally fair. All right, so yeah, but the task at hand, we got to talk about the song. This song that has a very long, complicated history. The song that I did not expect this from whatsoever. No. It's a song that we all remember. It was a song that played everywhere. Everybody knows it. Everyone knows the question. The question that hasn't yet to be answered. But do we even want it answered? Is the song actually about dogs? Probably <laughs> not. It's not about dogs. This, this 
question is maybe like the question in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to Universe where like the answer to the universe life and everything is 42 but we don't know the question so maybe the question is who let the dogs out that's right we are doing who let the dogs out from the group Baja Men the 2000 hit that literally was everywhere <laughs> It was everywhere and then nowhere. Yeah. You know what's weird is it didn't even, it wasn't even that big on the charts. Like it didn't top the top 10. I blame most of its success. Blame is a tough word. Um, I would point towards children's movies yes. as the main component for its success, aside from sports games. Yeah, because this was, this was featured in Rugrats in Paris. Which came out in 2000. It's in the Shrek karaoke special. Is it in the Shrek karaoke special? Mm-hmm. Um, Donkey sings it. That's bizarre. Because I know that in, in yeah. the movie Shrek, they had another Baja Men song. That's sweet. Best Days of, of Our Lives, which I actually did like that song. But, oh, I didn't even get a chance to listen to any of their other songs. That's a good point. Yeah, but it's like... I just remember that. Um, yeah, it was mm-hmm. featured everywhere. Uh, every, it was like the song. It was, it was like the song for the Mets that year. Mm-hmm. You heard it everywhere, and the, like just the video itself is super of its time. It's that weird, wacky, wide-angle, like bizarre mess of like extreme energy drink levels of complexity. It's a weird video. I think there's like some fish eyes, le- fish eye mm-hmm. lens in it too. A lot too. of wide lens, a lot of fish eye lens. It also sort of like feels goofy in the sense that like they literally focus on like letting dogs out. So then kids love dogs. And then, you know, with the Rugrats movie, it just sort of became this, this song for kids. Yeah. We were, yeah. and we were what, in like the fifth grade? No, the fourth grade. We were young. No, yeah. We were in the third grade. and oh We were god. going into the fourth grade in 2000. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> so we were like the prime targets. And that's why like this yeah. song is so... Like, we were. I remember the song being significantly bigger because it was everywhere. I think I even had the See, CD. I might, I might have had the CD too. I don't remember. I think my dad might have bought it. Oh boy. But I can't, I, I can neither confirm nor deny that he did purchase it. But there is a likely possibility that it it was in our house. It was in our house. I'm remembering it now. I think Chelsea had it because I remember, um, I don't know if anybody remembers Monster Rancher, which was like not Pokemon, not Digimon, but it was like a different monster related cartoon. You could put a CD into the game it would read its data and you'd get a new monster. Really? And I remember putting the Bahaman CD in there. <laughs> That's how I remember this. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, oh my God. That's such a specific niche detail because back then, if you took the game out of the PlayStation, it was very likely that it would freeze and crash. But part of this game was in anticipation of that putting in a CD, reading the files from the CD, and then putting the game actually back into the PlayStation, and then you'd get, like, a new monster. Like, that sounds terrifying to me. It was very thrilling. You know, when you're nine, this is the sort of, you know, adrenaline rush that you can have. Do you remember, like, that was one of the, like, the features of the PlayStation, the first one, is that it was also a CD player? Yeah, I remember. Like, it's weird CD menu. It was, like, this blocky, mm-hmm. like, just... Yeah, these boxes. These boxes. But, yo, I used the shit out of that to play music from my TV. <laughs> probably this CD as well. Yeah, probably. Yeah, this song is just bizarre because it didn't really top high, but it's remembered. It was huge. It was everywhere. And then you're right, it was nowhere. And I don't think that I can, like 
listen to the whole song because like it does get annoying but at the same time like the beat is so much fun yeah the beat's fun but it's just yeah. who let the dogs out who, who i'd who? rather who? who who indeed i'd rather listen to this again than bad day by daniel powder oh my god yes or shake it I don't want to hear any, we, 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 he's no, Courtney, he's not making music anymore. He's not making music anymore. We can anymore. never bring it up again. He is done making That's music. That's it. I actually just violated one of the powder police rules. He's, it's like the vegan police. He's to never be brought up again. Yeah. He's done making <laughs> if music. If I bring it up a third time, I'm in trouble. No more. That's two strikes. No more. <laughs> but this song, who let the dogs out? Do we do, who indeed? Do we want to get into the brief history of the Bahamut? Yeah, well, let's let's brief. focus Sorry on about that. Not yeah, brief at let, all. let's focus on just Bahamut itself. So give a quick story of the Bahamut because there's a lot of this that we're gonna cover. A lot of details, a lot of story, a lot of changing of hands, a lot of people at play. Mm -hmm. But to quote, this is the this is the inception yeah. of one hit wonders. So, pretty much to give a quick story for the Bahamen, they're a, as the name suggests, a Bahamen roots reggae band formed in 1977 under the name High Voltage. Oh. Danger, danger. High, High voltage. Yeah, they started as a band called High Voltage. They would play like in nightclubs okay. and just released a few albums. They were like, you know, fairly popular within the Bahamas and the in the islands, but never like much more than that. Mm -hmm. um, they would eventually become the Baja Boys and then the Baja Men. And then eventually who would come into play, as these stories typically do, some white guy named Steve. Steve Greenberg. Now, Never trust a Steve no. in music. This guy, yeah. we if you recognize the name at all, he did the Han he did Hanson. He also did mm -hmm. the Jonas Brothers. And he signed oh. the Baja Men. And for a brief moment, the Baja Men opened for Hanson. Wow, yeah. I didn't know mm -hmm. that. Oh, poor Baja men. That's sad. Yeah, but eventually he would re mm -hmm. he would re like invent the Baja men to make them more of like a pop group. And this is also when like mm -hmm. a lot of the original members left, like the front man left and then like younger, you know, fresher talent would join in. And that's kind of the face that we know of as the Baja men, like this new pack of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it all boils down to eventually Steve Greenberg claiming to write the song that the Baja men actually like turned down performing for a long time because mm -hmm. they were familiar with the, uh, not the original, but they were familiar with where but the song came from. They were familiar with the version that was already popular. Yeah. By a, where they were from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the 2000 song, Who Let the Dogs Out, I can touch this briefly, but I think you have way more details on this than I do. Oh, boy. Yeah. So for those unaware, the f Who Let the Dogs Out is not an original song. Dun, dun, dun. But the origins of it are so complicated and bizarre that I, it, there's a whole documentary on it, and Courtney did the mm -hmm. awesome job of watching it and remembering the details. Thank you. Because uh, I had like Malcolm McDowell, like eyes wide open the whole time I was watching. Yeah, it was captivating. So to find out that this song, OK, Who Let the Dogs Out is a is actually a remake of a Trinidadian artist Anselm Douglas song, Doggy, which if you hear it, it's mm -hmm. literally the same song, just like slightly different beat and tempo, but the same lyrics. And it's it's weird because his version and some Douglas, he touts it as a feminist piece. Well, that's what's interesting yeah. is this 
like involves feminism, it involves appropriation and colonialism. Um, it just like the rights of artists, who owns what. And you don't know that when you're eight years old and it's in the Rugrats movie. Yeah. You hear this song, it's everywhere, and then it's not. They even make fun of Baja Men. I remember on an SNL sketch when Kristen Wiig comes um, on Weekend Update as Lana Del Rey, <laughs> and she's talking about, like, she's playing Lana Del Rey defending her SNL performance, which was so terrible and so criticized. And she says, like, oh, well, does everybody remember, like, Shaggy and Baja Men? And I, I remember, I know she lists a few other people in that bit, but those two specifically stuck out to me because, one, I like Shaggy. Yeah. Shaggy's great. Two, I was like, Baja Men. And that's when I was like, man, whatever happened to Baja Men? So lo and behold, there's all of this complicated copyright stuff happening before the release of this song. Yeah. So Douglas calls the song a feminist anthem, and if you listen to the lyrics, it's kind of about who are these assholes ruining my good time out? Like, my good night out, rather. It's So I guess you could take it that way, but that's not where it ends, as Courtney alludes no. to. The song has a much more complicated history. It does. It does. Never trust white men in the music industry. That's, let's just start there. If we haven't made it clear from the 3LW episode, the Luma D episode, the Asher Roth episode, just don't tw- don't trust white men in the music industry. You know, you expect that they're going to lead you and steer you in the right direction. That's not what their job is. Their job is to make money. And and Asher Roth is white, and he was right, yeah. right. <laughs> he also, and that just goes to show you that sometimes capitalism and patriarchy will go after its own kind for its own gain you know it doesn't matter sometimes if you look exactly (laughs) if you are also a white man if you are a victim it is because they thought that your sacrifice was necessary yeah so that's my hot take on that but um okay should we get into the like the history of this song, the complicated history. I think of this song. we have to. Yeah, this is okay. Yeah. So, um, Stephen Greenberg approaches Bahamen about doing this song, and at this point, like Tom, like Tom mentioned, um, they all know the Anselm Douglas version, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 I don't want to touch that." And they're like, no, 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 it's, you know, it's okay. And then he says, like, you know, nobody, nobody outside of the Caribbean knows this song, which is hurtful. And also, you know, implying that something that is big here isn't as important as making it big in the United States. Um, so they can, so Steven Greenberg creates his own label, S-Cure label, to produce this song. And when you go back and hear the different versions of this song, the Baja Men version does sound the most polished. Mm-hmm. It definitely has the most production on it. Yeah. Meanwhile, in 1998, there is a music producer named Jonathan King. Okay. I do not like this man. That's fair. He is a dick. That's fair. I think he tries to play himself off as this, like, Andy Kaufman, Russell Brand level of, like, I'm being a dick, but I'm portraying a dick, but actually he is a dick. Okay. So, he comes out with a version of Who Let the Dogs Out, Um, but he goes by a different name. It's like Fat Jack and the Pesty Pesty Pets. And if you listen to it, um, meanwhile, just to paint the picture, like, Jonathan King is, like, a big British dude. Yeah. If you listen to the song, one, it's terrible. (laughs) Um, He puts on a pseudo-Caribbean accent, which is very uncomfortable. The song is a flop. Oh. But how did he hear from this? Mm -hmm. Now, this is where the Wikipedia 
information has changed over time. For a long time, if you looked up who let the dogs out, there was a statement, there was a sentence in there that said, um, was heard by hairdresser Keith. And this is what led Ben Sisto on his journey for the documentary. He was like, you can't just put a sentence like that in Wikipedia. What does he mean? So what happened was Jonathan King would go to a hairstylist that all of the big musicians went to in London, and it was called Smile. Smile had clients like David Bowie, Paul McCartney. It was very popular for, like, men in the music industry. They just, like, knew what the style was. And there was a famous hairdresser there named Keith Wainwright. Jonathan King would go to King, uh, Keith Wainwright to get his hair cut. A lot of big musicians would go there. And Keith Wainwright was a big fan of steel drum and calypso music. Okay. So at some point, one of his clients is like, you should go to Trinidad and Tobago and like actually be a part of the culture down there. Actually see what it's like. Keith Wainwright, this hairdresser, starts taking trips down there. He starts like collecting mixtapes and CDs of the music that he finds there. And also um, the part of this music that is so crucial is the parade and carnival atmosphere. Um, this music is inspired by Junkanoo, which is a type of music that gets played a lot during carnivals. And these carnivals and parades are these like beautiful odes to music, costumes, holiday celebrations. And like the costumes are absolutely gorgeous, like stunning, like crystal encrusted headpieces, like beautiful. So every time Keith Wainwright would go to Trinidad, he'd pick up these mixtapes and Jonathan King would immediately come to his hair salon as soon as he would come back and pick up these tapes. Okay. So that is why Jonathan King puts on this like terrible, terrible accent for this song. Oh. That's the version that Steven Greenberg steals. He realizes like, this is trash, but obviously it came from something good. Okay. The song that was on the tape that Jonathan King stole is the version that Tom was talking about, the Anselm mm -hmm. Douglas version, Doggy. Yes. Yeah. So, actually, there's footage in the documentary of Anselm Douglas's name on the mixtape. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Separately, in 1998, there is another British rapper who takes this song and samples it. His name is Chuck Smooth. Alright. And he goes by like DJ Chuck Smooth or whatever. Um, and Anselm Douglas's producer and arranger, Ozzy Gurley, gave him the copyright to use this song in his sample. Or to sample this song in his song. And that has more of like a DJ vibe to it. It's very like on point with 90s DJ music, although it's, like, from, like, this, like, white British guy. Okay. Ozzy Gurley is in a lawsuit with Anselm Douglas over who owns the rights to the lyrics. So while he is in a lawsuit with Anselm Douglas, he retroactively gave rights to Wingspan Records and Chuck Smooth and then they are also feuding with Ozzy Gurley and Anselm Douglas because of this. So it's a, a big mess. Yeah. Everything is disputed out of court. Um, but what I did really like was, like, um, Ben Sisto met with Anselm Douglas. Okay. And he actually, you know, talked to him about it. And he was like, I didn't care about the money. I was just upset that I was betrayed. All right. So... That's going back and forth. Meanwhile, while this is happening, um, you know, Anselm Douglas talks about his inspirations from the song, which you had mentioned before, that it came from a radio station in Canada. Yep, yep. Anselm Douglas's brother-in-law worked, worked at a radio, a radio station. station and he, yeah. 
Yeah. And he suggested to Anselm Douglas, like, dude, you should use this hook for a song. And somewhere in there, Anselm Douglas says, like, okay, I want this to be a feminist message. I want this to be a message about, like, women who go out to clubs and, like, you know, they're usually the ones who are insulted. They're the ones who are usually referred to as, like, sluts. And they also use a term that is very popular then called skettle, which also kind of means slut. Oh. So this song was meant to be kind of like um, like pushback anthem. Okay. Of like, well, you guys are dogs. Who let you guys out? Who let them in the club? Who let the dogs out? Exactly. That's the answer. So... This guy, Anselm Douglas's brother-in-law, works for a radio station, 93.7 FM. And it's a hook that Leroy Williams and Patrick Stephenson would use for their shows. And say, who let the dogs out? And then they would do the chant. So they actually have, I'm sure, feuded with Stephen Greenberg and Baja Men as well. They have um, rights to the song. And, like, they have the, like, you know how, like, every musician or producer has, like, the framed platinum or, like, gold or certified records? They have those. So, like, it's established that, like, they have some ownership over this song. Ben Sisto asks them, and this is the part where things start getting more complicated. Ben Sisto asks them, have you heard of the song... You're a Dog by Gillette and 20 Fingers. So my dad, growing up, he would, like, give me these random, like, legal tips because he was a lawyer. Okay. Right. One of them being, like, never put $10,000 into account because that's when the government will flag you. (laughs) And (laughs) just, like, just random, like, as a 10-year-old, I was like, okay, dad, I'll make sure to do that next time I get $10,000. But also he would say that, um liars flinch they have little ticks to like let out the lies right they'll blink they'll avert their eyes maybe they'll smile um which i always found kind of difficult to believe because i don't know i flinch all the time so what's my excuse but i did kind of pick up on when ben sisto asks them have you heard of this song they do, like, avert their eyes a little bit. They're, like, moving their lips. They're blinking, and they're like, no. Mm. That's when Lita Rosario, um, the lawyer for Ozzy Gurley, um, comes into play because Ben Sisto gives her a call and is like, have you heard of this song? And she's like, I think you're just trying to drag dirt. I will not have this conversation with you. Mm. And he's like, no, I'm just, I'm asking you a question. I'm, I'm curious if your client's... Um, I think she also represented Leroy and Stefan. Um, either way, like, they're in the mix with Lita Rosario as well. And she's like, no, I'm not going to talk about this. Um, and her interview in the documentary is very crucial because she's Aussie Gurley's lawyer. She is an entertainment lawyer in D.C. And she talks a lot about copyright law that I thought was really interesting. But... So basically, you know, he asks, does anybody know this song? So then you go back to 1994 during the music dance scene. Yeah. And there's this musician, Gillette, and her producer from 20 Fingers, Manny Moore. He said that she was just like a receptionist at a doctor's office, but she had the potential. She had the star presence, but they wrote the songs. So they play the song, You're a Dog, which is also in line with the feminist perspective of, like, I'm not going to be degraded just because I'm a female and I'm out having a good time. Like, you guys are the dogs. But the difference is in the song, it goes, who let them dogs loose? Yeah. Either way, out, loose, dogs were in a place, (laughs) now they are out of a place. (laughs) They are no longer contained in one space. They are out. They have been released. So the message is still the same. Yeah. But it's really hard to authenticate 
at this point that this was taken from this. And that's what Lita Rosario claims is the whole point of copyright law, the right to copy. Okay. Then Manny Moore says, dude, I don't know if I wrote it. And I really appreciated that honesty. And there's also sort of like, you're letting go of the potentiality of getting money out of this thing, right? Yeah. You are releasing your ownership over the possibility of suing these other people and saying like, I wrote that song. Yeah. He's like, I probably heard it from somewhere too. You know, back then in the early 90s in dance culture, it was really popular in mixtapes to sample and like sample music and like pass around these mixtapes and play these different songs at parties, play these different chants as hooks. So it's very likely that Manny Moore heard this from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I forgot to add this little fact. I was going to say. This also, this story also includes a very famous Yankee who's been in the news lately. Yeah. This also includes A-Rod. Yeah. <laughs> and I love all of the drama that's unfolding between A-Rod, J-Lo, Ben Affleck, and also celebrities from the Bravo reality TV series. Mm-hmm. So, um... In the 2000s, like in 2000, A-Rod is playing for the Seattle Mariners. And, you know, they ask him, like, what do you want your song to be when you hit a home run? And he says, I want to play Who Let the Dogs Out by Baja Men. I like that song. It reminds me of Miami. So, what does he mean by that? Why does he mention Miami? Yeah. Go all the way back to the dance scene of the early 90s in Miami. Two rappers in Jacksonville, Florida. Go Jackson Jaguars! (laughs) Um, They go by the names, and it's so funny, and they even joke about it, too. I like their honesty in admitting that they are just, like, a couple of white guys who just, like, happened to enjoy making music in the 90s when they were kids. Yeah. Um, they go by Be Nasty and Miami J. Beautiful. Um, that's perfect for, like, young kids in Miami who just want to be rappers, right? Yeah. Um, their real names are Brett and Joe. <laughs> just regular guys. Um, they produce a song with Mama Do, who she was really cool. I really liked her in the documentary. She gave me, like, this, like, confidence that reminds me a lot of, like, Missy Elliott. Okay. And they produced this song called Who Let the Dogs Out. And there's only one demo where they can listen to it and share the track. And it is similar. But um, as I mentioned like before we started recording, their chant plays with eighth notes. So mm-hmm. it's like, who let the dogs out? And then it goes, who, who? Who, 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 who? Like, it, it changes it up a little bit. Okay. But there is no actual proof that this song exists other than the Little Caesars bread bag <laughs> that they wrote the lyrics on while they were at Little work Caesars at their part-time job. Little Caesars. It's so funny to me that now Little Caesars is engraved in this history as well. Have you ever eaten at Little Caesars? No, I have not. I've not have wanted I. to. Neither have I. Yeah. When I was moving to Chicago, we saw a Little Caesars, and I thought about it, and I was just like, I get the feeling that I'm not going to like this, so I won't. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so, at the time, they hear You're a Dog, they hear the Anselm Douglas one, they hear the Bahamian version, and Mama Dew's like, oh shit, did they, did they go and make this record without me? And they're like, did somebody else make this song? Like, they're all confused, too. They have no footage of it other than a couple of floppy disks that say, who let the dogs out? And chant, woof, woof, woof. Woof, woof, woof. So Ben Sisto takes these floppy disks to an information recovery specialist. They find data files of a potential uh, music player that could play the floppy disks. They acquire this machine, 
and they can't necessarily play the files on the floppy disk like we would with just like a regular old computer that uses floppy disks, but they can sample the data and recording that's on it. And then that is when you press the recording or the sample buttons, and that's when you hear who let the dogs out and you hear the chant. The plot thickens. It does not end. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. (laughs) So I really, really went down into the inception of this whole single. And I had no idea. I had no idea until this morning what we were getting ourselves into. I feel like the CIA will listen in on my phone calls even more now. Like, I feel like, have I, have we entered something that we weren't supposed to? Maybe. We might have. Like, like the alien conspiracists. (laughs) We have tapped into the who let the dogs out conspiracy. So. Now. 1992. Yes. Ben Sisto is like, I think I've done everything that I can. How can I find any more information on this song? I can't find anything before 1992. He meets with a Michigan native named John Michael Davis. Mm -hmm. And he says, I've got something that goes back to 1990. He's like, no way, man. And so they meet. And John Michael Davis is a man from Dowagiac, Michigan. And in Dowagiac, Michigan, they have a local, you know, Dowagiac Union high school football team called the Chieftains, which is very uncomfortable and uses a lot of Native American mascot caricatures that I am not fond of. And they consider themselves on the football team like the underdogs, they're going to go far with their football career and they want to prove that they're somebody to look out for. They start getting called dogs. It kind of becomes like a nickname for them. They're the coach's dogs. Then it becomes the dog patch. And then they start doing these chants at football games that are going around the country shouting, who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who? And it's not, like, in a cute beat because it's a bunch of high schoolers chanting for a football team. Yeah. That's Um, bizarre. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, they also talk about what is authenticity? What is documentation of creativity? Because, no, nobody's written down the words to this chant and said, created by so-and-so. But they were able to find newspaper articles circulating around their football career where people said, like, oh, they played a game in Hawaii and their fans are chanting, who let the dogs out? Mm. So it's interesting to me how an idea can cycle through so many different stages and elevate in so many different ways. I think... You know, the early 90s aspect of it is very 90s in the sense that, like, you can't document everything. Yeah. Especially during the early 90s music scene that is about sampling. It's about passing around mixtapes and creating these chants. Um, One of the other chants that was found on that floppy disk that everyone knows to this day is, we don't need no water, let them burn. Oh. So it kind of makes sense in parallel, like in peace with that chant, Mm -hmm. how these sort of things get passed around. You and I weren't a part of the Miami dance scene. No, we were not. But we know that chant. We know that chant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's really interesting how up to this point, there really isn't enough for like our standards today to say, this is the definitive origin of who let the dogs out. We still do not know who let the dogs out. No. What does bother me is when it gets into the hands of people like Stephen Greenberg and Jonathan King, they are taking advantage of these other cultures and other groups of people where it is a big hit, and they're like, I'm going to take this and nobody's going to stop me. That is the uh, appropriation of it that is, like, unethically sound. Well, because Stephen Greenberg's whole plan was, he is as far as he knew, it was a... It was the Trinidadi song. 
Right. And he was just like, I'm just going to take this and you guys are going to make it with a, you know, with a more polished production and it's going to be a hit. Mm -hmm. I feel like I need my inhaler after that monologue. That I'm was so a, sorry. No, don't apologize <laughs> at all. One, it was a spectacular, captivating story. And two, okay, and two, it um, my neighbors keep throwing rocks, so I it makes it easier for me to remove the sounds of rocks when I'm not speaking. Okay, okay, good. As soon as I am done talking, I there's like a thought that goes in the back of my head that's like you idiot you dumb piece no, of shit you're good. this is what you said that's what you said so like once i stopped talking i was like Whew, okay <laughs> all right so now with that very interesting and fascinating history no i was just gonna add that like you were saying like stephen greenberg like you know he's banking on people not knowing this song and getting success out of it um isaiah from baja men during the documentary said you know um, we gave him his first Grammy. We gave him his first big hit. And it's really clear how different people from different backgrounds can experience the same event and see it with completely different perspectives. Steven Greenberg sees it as he gave them this opportunity. It was a Cinderella story. Like, he created this success for them. And the way that Isaiah from Bahamen sees it as, like, we were just a step on the ladder for this guy. Yeah. So um, that is what I find really complex and very interesting about this story and is really a clear narrative of just like how men in the music industry see themselves versus like the musicians who are just there to make the music and make something that they want to make. Yeah. Okay. That's my conclusion it's all good no that was incredible yeah. <laughs> it's what a what a tale like i was just gonna say i was gonna what? i was gonna yeah i was gonna cross it over into our childhoods and be like can you have uh -huh. even imagine this story being told when we were like in the third grade right exactly so when we're kids and we're just like haha dogs so fun we have no idea the complex history that goes into this song. No. And it can have humble beginnings that don't come from stealing or maybe, you know, not having that sort of like authentic background isn't so much as an issue. But then when you are like actively taking it from people to take advantage of them, to take advantage of their situation, that's where it's a problem. Yeah, no. Yeah. What a bizarre tale. But like, I just think like this was a song for us in particular. We went to the same elementary school. Right. That was definitely like just played in the gymnasium during special events, and we would all just run around like. Right. Like to us. Exactly. <laughs> just running around nonsense. Yeah, like we're just like, you know, playing like field day games. Field day. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, eight-year-olds aren't going to know what's going on. And I kind of wonder if that was intentional or if it was, you know, just it sort of happened with the buildup of marketing, you know? Like, it kind of helps to hide some appropriation when you're like, oh, but, like, look how much kids love it. They were, aren't they? The Baja Men, I know they were featured in a couple of Disney things. Well, they were featured one in the Shrek soundtrack. And then two in Shrek like. Shrek soundtrack. Yeah, and like. Snow Dogs. Yeah. And like Disney cartoons. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think that's what some people try to do when they're faced with that conversation. They'll be like, well, then, like, you're asking me to erase my childhood or my child's childhood. And it's like, no, we can talk about this and it could still be a part of that. If anything, like, that's what makes it so interesting. Like, we had no idea that all this stuff was happening. No. And, like, how could yeah. we? Like, we, I don't think even adults even we? knew. Adults didn't even know. No. Because there was no, no Wikipedia <laughs> about this. And even though Wikipedia <clears throat> is confusing, right? That's what led Ben Sisto on this journey of discovery. Oh my it's God. very interesting. And I'm I'm very surprised that... Like, of our 
uh, mini series that so many different stories have been uncovered. I mean, not that like we were the first ones to talk no, about it, but, but it's just like for us, it's been a really interesting learning experience. Things we just wouldn't even even known. We just think about right. like, oh, what about this song? And then there's this long. Usually these store these songs have like stories that are long more interesting than the song itself. Right. Exactly. You know, oh, to me, man. it was just like Baja Men had entered the U.S mainstream music and it just like wasn't a thing that they were interested in hearing more from for many other reasons you know but um it was just interesting that there was so much behind it oh yeah no i'm just i i'm thinking back to that time as a child Mm -hmm. like okay i picture yeah what do you picture what do you picture i picture like a summer day yeah and, like, maybe my parents are like, hey, do you want to try this, like, purple suntan lotion? Because you hate suntan lotion. And I'm like, no, I don't want it. I just want a slushie. And, like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when that was a thing? The purple suntan lotion? Yes. It just, like, because, like, I have so many, I've always had sensory issues. So, like, I hated the feel of suntan lotion. So I think my parents thought if they get the purple one, she'll like it. And I was like, no, it still feels terrible. Do you know what I hate? Because, um... <laughs> I hate the feeling. And still, as an adult, I don't care for it. I don't like the feeling of spray-on suntan lotion. Oh, fair. Also, it's like, how do you know that it's all actually on you? Because it has, like, this filmy feel. It feels sticky. It feels like like a plastic layer was put on top of you. Like, I really don't like it. Like, I know the cream is more work. But I like to, like, I prefer that. It feels like I put, like, a layer of moisturizer on, whereas, like, the spray-on shit is, like, and I hated it as a kid. Yeah. Because it felt like, especially around my neck and back, it feels like someone put a layer of plastic over me. And I, because you feel hot. Like, you feel hot underneath it. It's gross. I don't like it. Like, if instead of putting sunscreen on, they just put a layer of saran wrap on your back and say, okay, you're ready to go play. Oh my god, I just realized we're gonna probably need sunblock next week. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, no. Yeah. A t- um, Eric finally found one for me that I really like, and it is, like, hypoallergenic. I'm also, like, allergic to plants, so that doesn't help with my hatred of suntan lotion. <laughs> so, if you don't want to have suntan lotion, just be allergic to a plant that is used commonly in skincare products and makeup that's all you need so let's think about this because i I keep thinking about this when it comes to Mm -hmm. this song and the time it came out we had the rugrats movie rugrats in paris Mm -hmm. i just figured this could be like a good episode for actually unpacking a lot of like how people feel like they can steal ideas from different cultures and get away with it for monetization yeah a good learning moment well, like this was what a time this was. Like, just even like when that, because let's like let's if you want to get on the lighter topic, let's talk about this weird, bizarre yeah. music video. Yeah, let's 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 talk about the music video. We mentioned previously, like this fast cut edit, uh, fisheye lens music video, very saturated bright colors. Dogs escape from a dog, a dog kennel, and it's just the Baja men or the new Baja men. Mm-hmm. Singing along to the song. Although there's women. There's women in the video. And there's lots mm-hmm. of weird fisheye lens shots of, like, the dogs running around the women and then, like, stepping on them with the heels. It's a weird video. Oh. They're not They're stepping on like, the yeah, dogs. dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's exactly right. like that. Okay. I don't really know a lot of women like that. I feel like they'd just be like, oh, my God, there's dogs. This was a different time, Courtney. Pokemon, the mo- Pokemon 2000, I think. Was that the name of the sequel? Pokemon 2000? Oh, no. Wasn't, was that the first one? No, Pokemon the movie was the first one, and that came out in, like, 96. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Okay, okay, you're right. So there's Pokemon the movie, which I own as an adult. Yeah. And then there's Pokemon the movie 2000. Um, I actually kind of like this one a little bit more. What I remember from Pokemon the Movie 2000 
is that it's it's I yeah I will say I remember liking this one more because mm-hmm. it, it it fits more of like an anime plot storyline. Yeah. Uh, this is a controversial hot take that a lot of people are gonna get mad at me for, but Pokemon the movie, the first one, it's not a very good movie. It's weird. <laughs> I made a child watch it and she got scared. And then I felt bad. Do you remember that song I mean, from it? Don't say you love me. I love that song. I I already have M2M up on my Wikipedia. <laughs> don't say Is that a one-hit wonder? But that's not the I don't 2000s. know if that counts. No, I won't count. Well, okay, so their album Shades of Purple did come out in 2000. Okay. So, like, we could argue that we could cover Don't Say You Love Me. I did have that album as a kid. I also had their sequel album, The Big Room. Um, They, they stopped making music after those two albums. Did they? Literally. Yeah. They came out with Shades of Purple in 2000 and then three years later made a Greatest Hits album. That, what? <laughs> and then they disbanded. Could you, can you have a Greatest Hits album if you have one album? Uh, no, no, they did, They had two. Oh, they had so two. 2000, okay. 2001, and then in 2003, their Greatest Hits album is released. Okay. So, the, yeah. Bizarre. Wonderful. <laughs> Amazing. Norway. <laughs> yeah. So the Baja men. I think we've really men. dug into this story. And it's a fascinating story. Like, it's hard to think about anything else to talk about aside, like, because we talk our anecdotes. But that story mm-hmm. is so captivating. And I'm still, like, playing it out in my head. Just this deep story of, like, where the origins of who let the dogs out came from. And to be completely honest... I wouldn't be surprised if there is something before the 1990 football chant, too. Oh, God. Yeah. We don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I think is so interesting about, like, how we document things now compared to the 90s. Back then, you know, a story or a chant is based so much on being there, being present when it happens. Yeah. And having that vocal story or vocal retelling to be the sort of documentation. Now, Olivia Rodrigo comes out with an album sampling Taylor Swift for the first time and everyone knows about it the day it happens. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 So it's really interesting how these earlier cases can get so complicated so quickly. No, absolutely. Where do we, where do you want to go from here? I don't know. I mean, like, is there anything else about the music video? It's just like, oh my god, dogs are out. That's pretty right? much it, yeah. I, I like in the documentary, they actually show the clip from The Hangover when Zach Galifianakis <laughs> is like, oh my are you god, guys ready to right. let the dogs out? <laughs> and they're like, what? And then he does his little dance and he's like, who? <laughs> Zach Galifianakis is a gem. That's right. Oh my god, it was yeah. in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's insane? Think about this. Think about this. Because I remember seeing The Hangover in the movie theater. Yeah, me too. I saw it with my mom. I saw it with my cousins. When that movie came out, I remember thinking at that moment, because this was 2009 when that movie came out, thinking in that moment Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, it's been so long since that song came out. Do you know that we're further away from when The Hangover was released than I was when The Hangover came out from when the song came out. Isn't that wild? Eight years apart from when the movie came out. And the movie... <sighs> I know. It's funny also how, like, time works differently at different ages. Yeah. Like, I feel like a shorter span of time for a teenager feels so much further away than as an adult something that like we remember now yeah i would say high school the four years of mm -hmm. high school feels longer than my 10 years of being in the 20s 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I mean. It's it's bizarre. It's scary. I distinctly remember, and, like, this has more to do with, like, time in high school than, like, any of the other topics that we've touched on this episode, but I remember writing on my Zynga (laughs) the day before high school started, saying, I had, like, this weird sort of, like, hyper-reality of, like, time and aging as a kid, which probably wasn't healthy for me, but I remember writing on my Zynga, I don't want to go to high school because I know as soon as I start high school... Like, life is going to move at a much faster pace than I'm ready for. And then I'm going to be a grown-up, and then that's going to be the rest of my life. Wow, that's pretty prolific. I still remember writing that that's <laughs> on my Zanka. That's incredible. I didn't write things like that because I wasn't planning for the next day. I never oh, planned really? for ahead of time. I was always just like, that's I'm going to enjoy this moment while I'm here. That sounds nice. <laughs> but it comes with the anxiety of knowing the day's going to end. But you know what's funny, too? When we were in elementary school and we were in the fifth grade and we had, like, middle schoolers come to the elementary school, they were like, is everybody ready to go to the middle school? Like, it's so much fun. And I'm like, what middle schoolers were convinced? Like, were they they given, like, a proper bribe for going to an elementary school and saying that? But I remember, like, I I was the only one who shot my hand up at 10 years old and said no i'm not excited (laughs) why that's amazing i love this (laughs) and i was like everything is going to change when we go to the middle school we're going to have different friends we're not going to be the same people we were when we left this building like just insane existential shit coming out of this child (laughs) that's bizarre and nobody Nobody thought for a minute something is wrong. Oh my god. But like middle yeah, school. Yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah. I was just saying middle school for me was the worst. It was the worst. It was the way worse. Like there were bad moments in high school, but I think for me personally, middle school was just three years of an anxiety mess and horrible. Right. Like I think objectively worse things happened to me in high school. But I think because, like, the beginning of certain things developed, like, with our own development in middle school, that's why they have such staying power. Hell yeah. You know, all those experiences are folded into the roots of our development as we become adults. So that's why I think that we remember those years as just, like, ah! (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. But so I was, like, oddly very, like, aware of time and aging as a child, probably in a way that, like, somebody should have been like, is that okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Nobody asked that question. Everyone was like, all right, cool, she'll be fine. So bizarre. Yeah. But no, I think you're right. I I think it's funny how, like, in 2009... We hear Who Let the Dogs Out and The Hangover, and we're like, wow, that's so long ago. And now we're like, oh, God, The Hangover is so long yeah, ago. Yeah, The Hangover is, let's think, it's, at le- it's what, 12 years old now? When did we graduate? Because it came out the same weekend as our graduation. 2009. 2009. Yeah, 12 years ago. That's That's a scary thought. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I do love when Zach Galifianakis does that little moment in The Hangover. Like, I genuinely think, like, that movie did work for its time, but I think what made it stand out so much is just Zach Galifianakis being Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> no, I agree. Just, yeah. Just him using his awkward energy to the fullest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Tom. Yes. Do you think this song would be as successful today as it was back then? No. I <laughs> Why say, not? I say this because, like, well, I... Maybe in, like, a meme format, and then, like, the story itself would be more interesting to people. Like, there'd be rabbit holes and YouTube videos and analysis of the song and its history. 
But I think in mm-hmm. terms of like a pop hit, like this isn't within our well, like our realm of like what's popular right now. Mm. Also, like I don't know, I just I don't think it would hit. Also, like it really was, I think, like a hit with the kids, and I don't know if kids these days want to. I don't know if it'll work for them. I don't know. I'm not a child. No, they're too serious. Yeah, the yeah. world is too scary yeah. for the for for who let the dogs out. Yeah, I mean, I think that like. <laughs> Kids are growing up in a very intense era, more so than, like, we did. So I feel like they're going to be listening to um, Racist Sexist Boy by the Linda Lindas. <laughs> so, no, that is my answer. What about you? Um, I, I say no. I, I think that there is definitely, with, like, certain musicians like Bad Bunny, there is definitely more of, like, the Caribbean and reggaeton in mainstream media mm-hmm. music. But I think this song itself, if it came out now, I think people would be like, all right. They'd have to make, like, a very viral video, like mm-hmm. a very meme video, um, I think, for it to be successful. That's true. That's another thing I didn't even think about. We have more yeah. accessibility to international music, and we have a better understanding of different cultural aspects of international music so i think this song is almost too too polished and produced in like for like an american audience to really hold significance or anything interesting right it was like trying to break through something at the time meanwhile like one benefit of globalization now is that we have access to these different things we don't need to try to change it or market it to a certain demographic it can just exist in the exactly. world exactly yeah um that being said i do kind of like the anselm douglas version i've only heard bits of it it just seems like the same but not as produced right exactly it, it has more of the like steel drum calypso beat to it okay that's a good point yeah um what has been your obsession aliens aliens the fact that we are about to find out, or not about to, and you're right, there's probably not going to be a full detailed report, but <laughs> the the defense has to hand over to Congress reports about UFOs, because we have confirmed UFOs. We've known about UFOs being confirmed since 2017, and the world's just been mm-hmm. so insane that that wasn't mm-hmm. like the main thing anyone cared about for a while. They're like, no, we've got too much shit going on here right now, dude. Focus. It's got you a know? global <laughs> pandemic. Oh, by the way, aliens exist. I think that's why they admitted it. Um, like they confirmed it in 2020, early on in the pandemic. I think that the government was like, ooh, everybody's pissed at us right now because we didn't really control this thing. Our bad. Um, oh, maybe if we tell them about the aliens, they'll like us again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell them about the aliens. And then everyone is like, not now, government. We're still mad at you. Yeah. We still got a lot to unpack here. But also, I've also been making Polaroid art, and it's nice. Yay! What about you? Yeah, What's I liked been your, your setup. obsession. Um, I'm really into this Bravo drama that keeps unfolding. Not just like the typical Bravo drama of like this bitch is upset that this bitch didn't show up to their charity event. It's not about that anymore. It's about legal drama, hmm. mafia, fraud cases, A-Rod. 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 Um, racism. Racism. Like, Crystal Minkoff, Tiffany Moon, and Ebony Williams are coming for these like already established communities of Real Housewives, and they are doing work, and it's amazing. I also... Crystal Minkoff makes me love Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because she just is like, ha, 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 my husband made Lion King. Hmm. And that's it. And I love it. I love that energy so much. Oh, yeah. So that's what I've been into. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's like beyond the whole, like, she brought a guest to my... Uh, a show where I'm singing a song that no one's going to buy. Like, it's beyond that now, and it's great. All right, that's interesting. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Baja Men Who Let the Dogs Out episode. 
The truth is we don't know. We still don't know. Nobody will ever know. We will never know. No. Who let the dogs out. Yes. But with that, guys, thank you so much. And be sure to like us and subscribe and listen. We are on the Spotify's. We are on the Googles. Mm -hmm. We are on the mm -hmm. Amazon, maybe? 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 Um, where most podcasts are found. And be sure to follow us on the Instagram at Remember the Zero Zero S Podcast. Courtney. Mm-hmm. 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 How's that? No, I was just whatever you wanted to say. Oh, um, I don't know. Um... Uh, wear sunscreen. Wear sunscreen. It's gonna get hot. Go outside, get some fresh air, stay safe, get vaccinated, mm -hmm. and have yes. a good day. Bye. Bye. Boy, why don't move your ugly, rotten teeth, comb a red, trampoline pants wearing, can't afford deodorant, unintelligent, bony Hey, a doggy is nothing if he does.